Uh, so I was just thinking if I listen to podcasts with p- plant PhDs and stuff, I'm going to be like, what are they talking about with all the scientific names? But mm-hmm. my friend Asha, shout out Asha. Uh, she came over and was telling me she's been listening to our podcast. And she's like, you guys just throw out so many scientific names uh, and all these plants that I don't know. And I'm, she's like, I uh, can't look them all up. Oh, really? I feel like we don't. We don't. Do we? We do. We do. We're just talking about the plants and we oh. know their names and we just. Right talk about them and not everyone's as familiar with them as we are. Welcome to Rough Around the Hedges podcast. I'm Kaylin. I'm Adam. And I'm Christine. Today we are going to be talking about bringing our houseplants indoors for the winter. It's that time. Now keep in mind we're in Minnesota. We're zone 4B. So we, uh, usually what, is it end of September, beginning of October for us? Depending on where you live, you might be having to bring in plants sooner. You might having, you might be able to leave out plants longer. If you live somewhere nice and warm, maybe you're lucky and you can leave your plants out your outside, uh, did a bit words, outside year round. And we hate you for that. <laughs> We're just extremely jealous. And it also, I guess, it does of course depend on the plant's threshold for like tolerating colder temperatures too, because a lot of things maybe yeah, here where we are in 4B, could stay out till October, but not many things. I think we usually start hitting pretty cold areas in September. Like once it basically is in the, you're seeing 40 degree Fahrenheit ranges. That's the moment where you're like, all right, it's going to be cold tonight. Got to figure something out or bring the most sensitive things inside. If you have a lot of cacti succulents, those can tolerate cooler temps. So you can leave those out longer. But me, I have one cactus, so... He just comes in when my houseplants come in. I don't even think I have a single cactus. Is that crazy? You just have succulents? I have succulents. Yeah, a lot of them. I, I, yeah, I don't have any cacti proper. It's all succulents. Okay. And even then, I think I have the succulents that are actually tropical plants. The Thanksgiving cactus and the rickrack. Mm-hmm. Ah. False cactuses. Yeah. They're epiphytic. Sure. Cacti. Okay. okay, so we had, Christine looked up. The extended weather forecast. Mm-hmm. And what do you say? Mid-September, September 18th, we're going to be getting down into low 50s? Yeah, so we're looking at like 52 at the night, in the nighttime. And what's your threshold for when you bring plants in? That's about the time where I'm going to start thinking about bringing stuff in. Yeah. I like my ficuses, they don't, they don't like that cold even. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose I, I hold out in the 50s. I'll leave them out in the 50s and once it starts getting like 48, 49, then I'm like, okay, it's time to bring stuff in. But I have so much outside that I have to hose down before I bring it in and I need to kind of start doing it in little bursts. So usually it's I'll bring my favorite plants in first. Right. <laughs> hose them down for any bugs and I'm just hosing down with water. Yeah. I, I One time I did spray everything preventatively with insecticidal soap and Cactin Jacks and, you know, $50 later, I still had to go out and buy more. <laughs> more spray so I was like fuck that yeah no I was you know this is the reason why right before the episode started right before we started recording I was talking about the podcast episodes different plant podcasts that I've been listening to and they were talking about studies where they're like trying to test the efficacy of different types of pest control and they oftentimes will use water as the control group like just compare it to how effective it is just to spray it with water and like a good percentage of the time, the, the water turns out to be just as effective, if not more, especially with certain pests, like maybe not for like mealy, mealy bugs. Yeah, they like latch on. They, they kind of that, they have that waxy mm-hmm. coating that stops just water from breaking through. Alcohol. Or scale. Different kinds of scale, but yeah. So 
that's a good thing. And I mean, I guess we should sort of highlight the main things to consider, right? When you're bringing plants inside, if you've had your plants growing outside, you know, exposed to the elements, exposed to all the different factors that come with being outside in the ecosystem of or urban ecosystem more often <laughs> than not. But, uh, you know, the main, one of the main things of course is pests, but also thinking about light changing and temperature changing when you bring it in and how to do it in a way that's going to be the least like impactful, like detrimental. Yeah. yeah. I like that with train of thought, but I have too many plants to worry about it. So they just go from inside to outside and I don't, I don't have the energy to worry about it. So outside to inside. Yeah. What did I say? I think you said outside to inside. Uh, oh, they said inside to outside. I mean, I get words screwed up all the time. So you know what I meant. Yeah. I think, I mean, for as far as the temperature thing goes, at least at my house, they're only benefiting because it's just going to be warmer inside. Yes. The lighting situation is going to be different. But for the most part, I haven't noticed any like major hiccups or anything like that. I find that every, like a lot of plants throw a fit when they come inside. I oh, get a lot of, it's the opposite for me. They don't throw a fit? They throw a fit going outside, but coming back in, they're fine. Oh, because I, I have a lot of highlight stuff. So when they come inside and they realize they're not getting the same amount of light they were, they're like, oh, fuck this. And they mm. drop like a third of their leaves. Mm. But I know that's normal. I'd always check for pests just in case something came in and it's eating them. But yeah, I do notice a leaf drop when stuff comes inside. I think that also the a big part of it is probably like those daily temperature cycles. Right. Because... Oh, like they're used to the... Right. They're used down. to more extreme, like especially throughout the summer here in Minnesota where it's getting oftentimes into the 90s or higher in the heat of the day and then sometimes down into the 60s at night. That just like creates a totally different little micro... Right. environment. Um, and then when you bring them in, I think oftentimes your home is pretty consistently the same temperature. Like that's because that's what's comfortable for most humans. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, so that, that could also be a, like, yes, they're getting a dramatic reduction in ambient light, but also they're dramatically shifting maybe temperature and humidity wise. Right. Poor little buddies. <laughs> it's okay. You can't live outside during winter. You'll freeze. <laughs> Where I live, I'm not going to say I live in a swamp because I'm not an ogre. Um, you like, wish. But you want to be. It's a little wetlandy over here. We have a lot of frogs. And so I see frogs and toads on my plants consistently throughout the summer. And so one of the things when I bring plants in, I, ever, I hose everything down. But that also gives me an opportunity to stop and check my plants. Not only for pests, but for frogs. <laughs> Um, one, two summer last time, last year, two years ago, I don't know. I brought plants in and I found months later a tree frog attached to the hose in the basement. And he either came in on the hose or he came in on the plants that mm. went into the basement. But I was months. Like, yes. I don't know how he was still alive. Probably spiders. He lived and in my basement. Well, but without yeah. daylight or like with a frog, he doesn't photosynthesize, but, but it's a frog. Like, how does it just... I don't basement. know. I don't know. I found him and I was like, oh shit. I grabbed a cup, scooped him in it, took him outside. You know what? It was, it was, it was after winter too, because I wouldn't have dropped him outside in the snow. Oh, he wintered in your basement? He overwintered in my basement. <laughs> he probably oh. loved it vacation time. Yeah, it's probably, maybe. So then that's why, then that's why he didn't, he was fine without sun because they hibernate. So he was used to being under the ground. You're just hibernating in your basement, dude. Yeah. All right. That's awesome. You know, free rent, whatever. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I don't. I don't want to like bring my plants in and realize I have you know three frogs in the house now because like the cats are gonna find them and they're gonna kill them. 
Like yeah. I just I want to save you little buddies. Don't hitchhike inside on my plants. I guess in ter- I mean in terms of things that can hitchhike inside on your plants, there are worse things. True. That could find you. I mean like depending aphids. on like aphids, you know, like like thrips or spideys, spidey mites. Ugh. I tend to, like in the springtime, a bunch of little stuff will start poking up. And that's when I find either what the birds have dropped in or the squirrels have tried to bury in my plants. Yeah, I found some walnuts already. Yeah. We start growing in my plants. In the winter. So like you're saying you bring plants in from outside, you overwinter them and then. In the springtime, they start sprouting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Um, I think one of the worst for me bringing inside is aphids. Those little yellow squishy boys. Um, really it's only been a problem on my, a couple of my Hoyas that go outside for the summer. They just love to eat the Hoyas and they're hard to get rid of because Christine, you said they give live birth. Some can, some types. Do the yellow ones give live birth? Well, I think it's just like, there's like two different types of female aphids. Some will lay eggs and some will do live birth. Fuck that. And they can birth up to 12 a day. You guys want to hear something super fucked up? What? What? The, okay. The female thrips can lay like a huge amount of eggs at a time, right? But if one, if the female thrips lays unfertilized eggs, like it wasn't fertilized, you know, like then they will be male so that the female thrips can breed with a male. With their children? Yes. To create an entire new... anyway? Yes. Mm. That's disgusting. disgusting. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? We do not condone it, like, insects. That's not crazy. That's disgusting. Animal, female thrips can come in and without a male and so they still essentially, create a colony. They can reproduce asexually and then dependent yes. on the... Ugh, gross. That's why we hate thrips, everybody. Yeah. And Hold on. Let's circle back to treating for aphids. Totally. And we'll come back to your thrips. Yeah. <laughs> That's the ADHD podcast, everybody. <laughs> well. Um, okay. What I've been doing is dunking them in a soap bath. So I have a tote that I fill with water and I put my Dawn dish soap in it and then I mix it up for bubbles and then I baptize the plant, which we talked about already. Christine mm-hmm. actually helped me baptize it before you got here, Adam. Yeah, it's already yeah. done, so you don't have to worry about oh, it. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm cool with baptism as long as it's completely non-denominational. Sure. Definitely a non-denominational baptism. Okay. Doesn't the just the term baptism? Not in this case. Okay. It's in this case, plant. it's just a... A bath. A smothering. <laughs> smothering the devil out of him. <laughs> the devil being aphids. Well, yeah. No, I love that. I love that method. The dunking, the soap so, dunking. I started off doing once a day, mm-hmm. but I like after doing it consistently, I was like, okay, I'm still seeing bugs on here in the morning. Like this isn't getting rid of them. Whoa. So I, I had Brandon help me on a weekend. We dunked it three times. And the next day when I looked, I was like, oh, wow, I hardly see any aphids. Whoa. And so yesterday we dunked it three times again. I'm going to try and remember to dunk it three times today. But hopefully, hopefully this knocks them back and we can be done. Because I've been doing this for like uh, a month and a half now. Right. That's super energy intensive. It's ridiculous. I should just take cuttings and throw the thing away. That's can, kind of where I'm at now. Can I ask what plant? Is it on the is it oh, on a Hoya? Nice. Oh, interesting. Like, I guess. I and I'm dunking. I'm dunking the whole entire plant, Leca and all. Whoa! With its net pot into water. I know aphids can be persistent because that was the actually aphids were the first pest that I ever encountered, mm. and I know they're like the main pest that my mom has dealt with in her collection for just long time. Right. Long, long time. Um, and I guess 
when you, when I hear you, Kaylin, describing your like control, it sounds like it should absolutely be three times a day or like even once a day. It sounds like it should totally be controlling. So I'm kind of surprised to hear. That. And maybe maybe I need to up my soap level. I think or Christine noticed that. So I've just been reusing the same water and the same mm. soap bath. Christine said I need to. Yeah, they say that you up. should do it every, like you should replace it every time, which I have not been doing. So I dumped it out already. It was disgusting. It was full of dead bodies, um, and cloudy, I think you, full of roots, and ball like a balls. I think your soap content could probably be a little higher too. The, I, last so last year when I did it, I really soaked it for like five minutes in soap, and it ended up burning all the leaves because I think the soap residue stayed on the leaves, and then mm-hmm. I had put it under a grow light, which then probably intensified. Sure. the light it got so I sunburned the shit out of it so haven't done that yet but right. also haven't got rid of the aphids right. so I think we need to strike a balance there maybe maybe it could be like you use a higher soap concentration and then and you do it maybe after the heat of the day like at, after like yeah. 5 p.m. Well, like, or so something even if I dunk the plant in the like we just did it in the morning uh-huh. the plant's on my peninsula in my kitchen which doesn't get any light okay right. he's not seeing any sun rays after I dunk him that's wise yeah and I was gonna say like you could maybe do a higher concentration and then just after an hour or so after the plant dries off just blast it with the hose or yeah. spray it with water just to clean I, off excess soap I do that immediately after dunking it oh I don't let the soap sit on it yeah you don't want the soap to dry yeah okay so yeah maybe you know in a couple episodes from now i'll be like oh my god you guys i got rid of my aphids and this is what did it and i'll have the answer mm. i don't think i'll ever get rid of my aphids i I, don't know. I took a, it's not encouraging i took a page from kaylin's book and i dunked all of mine that i keep having issues with and then i didn't go every day i waited a week to see what happened and aphids only came back on two plants but then there was mealies on like six ouch so I don't know what happened there. I don't know how they got mealies out of. A Christina's not implying my dunking bath. method gives you mealies. <laughs> but I'm implying that if it's eat the mealies, I don't know. We, we don't, don't know. know. We don't know. Could serve them a menu of three different types of pests and see which one they prefer. Right. Hello, sir. Today for your uh, appetizer, we have a spider mite. For your main course, we have thrips. Dang. And for dessert, don't worry, we have scale. <laughs> Delicious. I'm so tempted to like set a fogger off in my house just to get everything done and yourself as well. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I mean, from, from what I understand about managing these kinds of collection, like a bigger collection of plants, like the kinds that we're all dealing with and then beyond into like, you know, maybe a conservatory collection or a greenhouse where you, where you have like growing operations right you're just like production of a whole bunch of plants in a greenhouse there are like a few like two main methods one of them is like the fogging right where you're just like nothing alive just plant we're gonna it's like we're just gonna cook everything else and hopefully the plants don't suffer too much right um or there's like the let's just keep populations low enough yeah so that the plants can survive sort of like they would in a natural system where there's always just something that's sort of pushing back against the population, but never fully eradicating. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, nurseries will tell you plants are, or pests are inevitable. The plants just have to get used to dealing with them, but I get tired of dealing with them as well. It's more like the plant parents just have to get used to dealing with them. Right. 
I find, you know, once or twice a year, I kind of get a spider mite outbreak and I, I, I can, oh, I'm going to blame my sister for this one. <laughs> oh, no. Which sounds silly. Which sounds silly. Um, I neglected my plants more than normal. And I actually, I don't really neglect my plants, but I neglected my plants during the month of August because I was making the flower girl dresses and my grandma's outfit and hemming my sister's dress and altering my bridesmaid dress and then making two veils for her. So... Instead of being like, oh, I, I, I watered my plants when they needed it, when they were getting droopy. And I was like, oh, shit, I got to water my plants. But I wasn't like being proactive and keeping stuff from drying out and like stuff like my, my allocations or the culprits. They dried out more than they needed to, um, stressed them out, and then they got pests and then that spread to everybody else. And I tried to do beneficial bugs, but I don't think I ordered the quantity I needed for the amount of foliage I had to cover. And the sachets did not help after I, I just I kind of put the plants to the back of my mind while I was work, working on the wedding stuff and so I didn't like go back and check out my plants after a week and like hose them down a second time or a third time or order more bugs completely forgot to order more bugs so like it's kind of on me kind of on my sister if I'd been paying more attention during August I probably you're just distracted. wouldn't have been in the same boat yeah I had other things to worry about so I'm just like learning learning so i'm kind of resorting to spraying with water and spraying with some chemicals now as opposed to ordering more beneficial bugs because i just need to know they're out and right. done and i don't want to keep throwing money at them that is beneficial bugs and i already have all the pesticides which is cost zero so i'm just like Bleh. that's where i'm at <laughs> just mentally screaming okay yeah i i I mean, for people listening, I think at this point in the season, I, I don't know, it depends on where you are and how easily you can access beneficial bugs. But basically, if you're listening to this and you're like, you want to do something with beneficials, with biocontrol before you bring your stuff in, like do, do it now, do it right now, like go to the store get that and treat them if you've got a greenhouse outside because it, the greenhouse will contain those insects and allow them to sort of spread through your greenhouse um, and hopefully move through like an entire life cycle before you are bringing the like forced by temperature to bring things in but also be aware that a lot of different types of beneficial insects have like temperature thresholds mm -hmm. where they just won't really eat if it gets too cold or too hot or too dry. So like they, you do your research about the type of insect or mite beneficial predatory mite that you're, you're introducing because it's not nice to spend that money and then realize like, Oh, my environmental conditions are not at all in within the right range for this, you know, to be effective. Right. And I mean, if we're talking outside plants trying to get pests down before bringing them in for me i wouldn't even go the beneficial bug route because i don't have a greenhouse so if i put anything outside their bugs are just gonna fly away goodbye <laughs> sorry thanks for trying to help so i'm and i don't want to do chemicals either because i don't want to hurt anything that's outside that is good for us um so i'm just spraying down yeah daily with water uh, yep just good old blasting it with a hose i love real it. soaking it I love it. And, and of course, if you do spray, if you want to spray, the 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 reason I was mentioning that I like the soap idea um, is using those uh, like treatments that uh, have a physical mechanism of control mm -hmm. where they're like 
physically smothering those bugs or like just breaking down the coating with the saponin, the soaps um, or oils. Those don't don't have like a they don't persist in the environment right. really. They don't have an environmental. Yeah. So those are the first. I feel like if you have to spray with something that's not just water, like try the soap and the oil before you turn to like any type of chemical like harder chemical well and alcohol too unless i'm wrong that's a lot safer in the long run for the environment itself and like that's going to get your mealies and that's gonna even your spider mites i've had a lot of success with alcohol and spider mites Mm. like you drink some alcohol and then go kill your spider mites yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, yeah i guess you know pests is the biggest thing we deal with when bringing our plants inside for the from the summer you know, it's it's easy to remember to bring your plants in before it gets too cold out. And then the other problem is finding space in your house. Where are all your plants going to go? My big, beautiful plants I grew outside this summer aren't going to fit in my house this year. Right. Yeah, I feel I feel like if we've if you if you guys are comfortable with like what we've talked about for pests, that would be the, probably the next really big thing to cover would be how to prepare. I mean, for example, we're going to be hosting a like planty garage sale with a number of the other community members. September 9th. Yeah. Well, at this point it's done. We had it. It's, it happened. (laughs) We had a really great plant sale. We sold everything. Oh (laughs) Oh my goodness. In the future with our podcast. So the people, (laughs) when people are listening to this, our sale will be yesterday. Yeah. Check Facebook for anything that we could sell. (laughs) Whoops. Yeah. Right. Half price bitches. So, but the point is, you know, start thinking about, you know, a month or so out when you're going to have to start bringing plants in, start thinking about how you're going to make space. Like what plants do you want to grow over the winter? What plants could you just take a small cutting of and keep and then sell maybe the mother plant, you know, think about, you know, what, what your priority plants are and what you have room for. Which or what you want to keep big, or what you might need to budget to get another grow light to be able to. Oh, I have to do that too. <laughs> um, I'm actually. You mentioned taking cuttings and selling the mother plants. So I have. I was just selling Christine. My Mayo is getting a top cut. My Painted Lady is getting a top cut. And then what was the other one? I walked out there to look at it. Why can't I think of this plant? There's, oh, my Squamiferum. Mm. Yeah, All that of one. These guys, I'm taking top cuts of them, and I already I actually already did that with my. Dark Lord philodendron just took a like a six leaf top cut. It had a ton of arrow roots. Just put it in soil. It's growing. It's good now. Six the plants just straight. That's crazy. I I mean your um your squam and your Dark Lord were huge all the way back in like before it, summer. Yeah. So I am I don't blame you for wanting to like save some save some spice. When I I went through the phase of let's make all my plants really big specimens, but then now I'm at the phase where I don't have room for that shit. I want to do that. I have to pick and choose who I'm going to keep big. And like my glad hands, that has five or six cuttings in the pot. It's three feet tall. It's really bushy. Um, He looks really great right now. So like that one I'm keeping as the size he is. Also, no one wants to buy glad hands right now. Nobody wants that plant. I love him. I don't know why. Nobody wants it. I don't know why. Um, so I would just have a really hard time selling it if I did split them up. So that's why I'm part of the reason I'm keeping him big. But everything else is just like, I don't love you as much. I'm like, I know you'll grow big again. So I'm just going to take a top cut and let someone else have you. Mm-hmm. What about you, Christine? What are you, what are your priorities? What are you keeping? What are you thinking about? Um, I uh, kind of done the same thing where took top cut of 69686, Jose Bono. Uh, 
I think there was another one. Oh, my Billy Etier, but that was already inside. So that's what I just recently took top cuts of everything of. And weren't you going to do your uh, sunrise too? I am thinking of putting my sunrise at the garage sale. That massive thing. Um, Latifolia, Albo Marginata, the Matilde. So those are all the big mother plants that I'm just going to take cuttings of and seeing if I can sell them. Other than that, and I guess this is going to be the next question too, of like, what have you seen a lot of success with this summer and what wouldn't you put back outside next year? Oh, well, that's like, a good question. Because like everything else, I mean, my calatheas will always go outside because they inside over the winter, they tend to get really sad. But then when I put them outside, they go crazy, they get bushy. And then it's kind of like that circle of life there. But everything else, I don't They're kind of stagnant or okay or not doing something super crazy. I don't think I'd put my regal shield back outside. I learned from you. It does have nine leaves right now, though. That's cool. So, okay. But they're small. You put it outside and you found that the wind beat up its leaves and now it looks crappy? No. Or what's what's your reasoning for well, not? Because I did the whole, I transferred it from like a soil and then threw it outside. Okay. So I probably threw fit. It was very sad. But I mean, it's been steadily growing, but not big leaves. So it's got nine leaves. They're all very small. Yeah. Um, weird. It's flowering, but. But I, I know when I bring it inside, it'll get, you know, decent sized leaves again, like it had it back in the spring. Um, so my mother plant, Regal Shield, I left inside this summer. I told you guys all about that a couple months ago. Um, so my mother plant stayed inside, but there was a baby growing in his pot. Mm. So I pulled that out, grew it up in a four or a six inch pot for a little bit. And then I used him in one of my outdoor planters. And we can go look at him afterwards. He's sizing up appropriately. He's not, you know, this big or anything because right. he's a small guy, but like he's been fine. I wouldn't say he like love loves it, but he looks really nice. I guess I just maybe expected too much of him. Right. But so that we'll was see. a fine experience. I think but that's not for my big glorious mother plant. Yeah, I think that's one that I'll leave inside for next summer just to see, compare. Um my Thanksgiving, my holiday cactuses always like going outside. They grow like crazy. Ficus all day long, throw it outside, clay throws throw outside. The rest, take it or leave it. Honestly. They were they were fine indoor, they were fine outside. The crazy hailstorm really like oh, right. made me, yeah, I just kind of was like, ugh. Why do I do this? Yeah, like the stuff, I mean, it kind of makes me feel like at the very least, if I'm going to put plants outside, keep them either in the greenhouse or under the patio cover, like the deck cover, because, uh. I really lucked out. I didn't get hail for that storm. Right. I didn't either. Yeah, it was just thing. I mean, it was mostly Minneapolis and like St. Paul proper. Yeah, the ninety four corridor. I think yeah, and and I really lucked out because that storm. I was like, oh, it's watering day anyway, so I threw a lot of my inside stuff outside, mm. and I was like trying to hold my Billy Etta up so it wouldn't fall over in the wind and like get watered at the same time. But like no hail, so yeah. I would have lost Billy Etta, Albo, Tycon, all that would have gotten shredded. And then and then the other day, like Lency was going after a squirrel, <laughs> she knocked over this huge terracotta pot with a Linamii, philodendron Linamii, oh. and the plant's fine, but like. At that point, it's made, all of its leaves were just totally shredded by the hail. And then literally a few days later, it was like on its head with a giant terracotta pot of soil sitting on top of it. Um, so as far as things that I put outside that I didn't need to, I mean, I think the Monstera borsigiana, like I put the aureas outside. I put one of the aureas outside and I kept the other one in a tent. And then I put the elbow in my window inside and the elbow in the window 
outperformed right. the, the one outside. The the Borsigiana in the window outperformed the one outside. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think so for certain plants that are like understory plants that are used to just getting like like filtered light through the tree canopy and just like catching little like shafts of light that come through maybe like and move around when it's windy and those ones if you just put them out maybe they just don't perform as well or like they just get too much light maybe um yeah, or it could, it could be the uh, you know I don't I'm not controlling the other variables right because it, it could also be something to do with the consistent temperature in my home, right? Or you know the consistent humidity. Um, or if the stuff in your house doesn't dry out as fast as the stuff outside, possibly so it stays moist. Yeah, so all of those things you should think about. I mean, it is now's the time to take a look at what you've if you've put stuff outside, uh, what's done well. Take note of that so you know in the future like you know how to how to plan for the growing season. I will say Clostophylla, Hoya Clostophylla is one that always goes outside too. It loves being outdoors. Mm. Goes real crazy. I would so remember I talked about shade cloths on my greenhouse at the beginning of the season. I left the 50% shade cloth on my greenhouse all all summer and I never actually went down to the 40% shade cloth. I was really happy with the 50. I felt like stuff grew consistently um I actually, honestly, I was only in the greenhouse once to twice a week watering. So I didn't even like pay that close attention to my plants that were growing in there. But like everything's happy. Like I'm not looking at anything and being like, why didn't you grow more this summer? So like, I'm happy with that. I'm glad with the, the 50% shade cloth. I think we'll repeat so, that for next year. As someone who doesn't have a greenhouse, 50% shade cloth means it's letting 50% of the light in or it's cutting. Well, 50-50, it goes both ways. Right. But so, so like 40%, both. is a 40% it? 40% shade cloth blocks 40% of the light. Gotcha. Okay. So a 70% shade cloth is blocking 70%, 70% of the light. So it's real dark. So actually, um, I found some spider mites on some alocasia in my greenhouse. So I moved everything out of the greenhouse so I could cut down all the weeds that are growing uh, underneath my shelves. Mm. Um, and so I moved all the plants onto the deck and put my 70% shade cloth above them um, so that I, I didn't have anywhere else to put them. Right. So I, I rigged up my 70% shade cloth. Um where was I going with this? I don't know. They're getting 30% of the sunlight. Right. So they don't burn while they're on their vacation from the greenhouse. Definitely one thing that's been helpful. I, I used the greenhouse this summer to acclimate some of my grow tent plants mm. um, to more ambient humidity levels. And now I'm much more confident about moving them into just the household conditions. So I'm going to just grow my my queen anthurium in my plant room. Yeah. And I think that might be something I have to look at too, because I definitely shocked plants on two fronts when I put stuff outside because they went from a high humidity control situation and a high light situation to basically no humidity and you only get your light in the afternoon kind of thing. So that's probably where I'm seeing that stuff isn't as taking off as you would want it to outside or would think it would do outside. I'm glad we have these experiences where putting stuff outside doesn't necessarily mean we're having better luck. Because I know there's a lot of people out there who put stuff out in the summer who are just like, oh my God, the amount of growth I'm seeing is nuts. (laughs) People, let that be an indication that your plants inside are not getting enough light. Or the right conditions. Yeah. Yeah. Put them closer to a window, damn it. And also your blinds. Or give them a light. I really think that for some of the plants that I have outside, they're, they just 
acclimated. Right. Right. At the end of August. Like, like they're it, just it, getting to it. Now you're going to throw them inside. And, they're like, move. and one thing that I found in the past is some things I'll bring inside and they'll just keep pumping growth until like November. Like they haven't even realized that there was a change. And then all of a sudden they'll just be like, Ooh, wait, what, what, why did I just What'd put out do? this huge yeah. leaf? Like I'm going to put <laughs> out a tiny too. leaf. I've seen that too. When they come inside, they keep pushing out to like December when they realize, yeah. Oh, this is the shortest day of the year. <laughs> what am I doing? Conserve, conserve the energy. I um, love that though. I love, I love some of the winter growth I see. Yeah. My South facing windows are just, Chef's kiss in I the love, winter. I love the winters because that's when our ZZs start going crazy. Oh, um, small update. We had the state fair plant show. Mm. My Raven ZZ got a purple ribbon, best of division. Mm-hmm. It was in the aeroid category. I was very pleased. Aeroid, really? Yeah, ZZs and oh. aeroid. Hmm. Yeah, um, first place, best in best in division, whatever. I took a look at it. <laughs> the nursery pot it's in, the roots. They're not busting out, but they're like, so there's so many roots inside the pot that the pot is starting to like Uh, expand and you can like see like the little indentations and then you feel it and it's so firm. And I'm like, buddy, 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 you're in an eight inch pot. You're a huge (laughs) plant. I don't want to put you in a bigger pot. Buddy, what are you doing? Put it up. No, (laughs) but also I don't have room to go bigger. I think I had like a, do you want a Raven's easy, Adam? Actually, kind of. They're fun. I love them. You don't them. have one? I don't have a ZZ plant. I mean, I grow lots of them at work, but I I wouldn't mind. I recommend... They sell fast. Like, they're so... Easy. Yes. They're, they're beautiful. So good at life. Why are you so good at life? The ravens, though, get so dusty. They get dusty. You see all the dust on their leaves. because well, they're yeah. black. I know. But it's like all my black shit in the house. I did I have, have a moment... all the time. I had a moment of, like aha moment when i was ah. in hawaii and i saw like a zz plant being used as a landscape plant mm-hmm. and it was just shot like huge like it was a it was like a shrub you know i was like oh lots of light lots of water yeah. oh yeah so i'm that's kind of what i'm thinking they secretly want even though they're marketed as a low light plant no same with stance of areas. I mean, are they thirsty? Flesh, Dracenias. They're Dracenias well, now, right? Like that proportionally, water. proportionally, you just water in relation to how much light and heat, right? That the plant's getting. So, but they just, they, you know, they market ZZs and stance of areas slash Dracenias as low light plants. And it's more like they just tolerate it yeah, more. They're low light tolerant, but if you mm-hmm. can give them higher light, they're going to be happier. And my ZZ, I've grown it outside in the greenhouse every summer now since we've had the house. And I have a massive fucking plant. Actually, yeah. you should be my plant of the week this week. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's really beautiful. He is. But mine's in a west window. Episode plant of the week. I, I sent a picture to Kaylin of my like one of my windows, and she's like, "I love how you have a ZZ right in the window." I'm like, yeah, of it course I do. It. I, I had a snake plant right in the patio door, and it was great. Yeah. That one, you really, you really don't really ever water snake plants hardly ever. They're not thirsty plants, but the ZZ has been actually using up this water yeah. and stuff, and I'm I'm getting like huge big growth, and so like the combination of more water and more light, and I'm just like, is this what you guys secretly want? Right? Have I've, I been neglecting you by giving you lower light and little water? I have found less. mine likes having more water too. And then especially yeah. in your greenhouse, like you've got excellent circulation out there, so it's using the moisture that you're giving it. It's using it mm-hmm. photosynthesizing faster. It's got like those dark. That dark foliage, I think, would probably be really good at photosynthesis because it's just well, yeah, it's taking in the most light. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, earlier this summer, I put out eleven leaves at once, as opposed to one or two a year. And you're wondering why the roots are like (laughs) busting busting through. (laughs) 
I just don't want to repot him. <laughs> Especially going into winter. Like, just don't. It won't. If I know they like to be root bound, but like, I'm going to have to cut him out of that pot in six months. Okay. Yeah. It, uh, I mean, that's the thing that people... Honestly, you know. I'll just leave him until he starts <laughs> going through his full pot of water in like less than a week. Right. Once that starts happening, then I'll repot him. Because I can't handle watering twice a week. If you're seeing growth happening on the top, then it's happening under the, the soil, too. <laughs> there was a wink. I just strategically winked at Adam. Oh, man. So, okay. So, there. I think that kind of covers, like priority like how do you prioritize and then you know sell things that you don't have room for oh a note on that space uh because everyone else is also thinking about bringing their plants indoors um probably beginning of august is when you need to start thinking about selling off stuff that you want to sell off because you know right now you know everyone's everyone's selling selling stuff stuff everyone's trying to get rid of stuff um you want to get a jump start on those other people and like sure you might not be able to grow this plant for the extra month you want it to but at least you won't have it over winter because you sold it before everyone else was selling theirs so and here we are with the garage sale in four days right i know i know that's okay i'm fine with it i think we'll have enough honestly i didn't like make a whole lot of stuff for the sale Um, a lot of it's just stuff i've already been propagating that i need to get rid of we need to i think maybe you know in all of our abundant spare time together we should (laughs) like maybe take some photos of the coolest stuff we're gonna bring and then just like make a separate facebook post or something that's just like hi i'm adam and this is what i'm bringing to the plant garage sale see you saturday i'm bringing my giant pinatum I'm going to sell my giant mm. elbow panatum, epiprenum panatum. What? The Varigata? We're selling that. You, you owe me a cutting. put out literally the most beautiful leaf. Did you take a top cut? I'm not keeping it. Christine, you wanted a cutting of that. I did. I'm sorry. You can oh, buy no. it. You can buy the whole thing. For what, $300? Yep. Ugh. Oh, no, boy. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. Fine. I, I, I don't have space project, for it. You could chop and prop. No, People I want those leaves. But they don't want to pay 50 bucks. I can't. Pa- like, that's the thing. I don't want to sell 12 Cuts. individual yeah, no, yeah. leaves. I just don't want to. And I don't well, want to propagate you're, that many. You're gonna, it's not going to go quick. I mean, wait, your leaves, they might go quick. People actually want those. But right. Actually, didn't you do that one? Didn't you do that earlier this year? What? Some cuttings of the Epipermnum panatum virgata with right. the good leaves? Or was that somebody else? No, that was... The, the good leaves, the ones that look like yours with the excellent variegation, the fenestration, those will go quick if you did want to chop and sell. Because I saw someone else do it and they went so quick. People were just like... Gimme, gimme, gimme. Choking on dicks, trying to get their hands on one. <laughs> I, I'm going to move right along. And I'm going to say that <laughs> if the plant doesn't sell in the sale, right. I will consider selling it as cuttings um but that one's coming i'm gonna sell a giant um trellis of variegated heartleaf philodendron Um, like a full you know four foot plant four foot trellis of variegated heartleaf i'm gonna sell a full five foot trellis of rio philodendron oh wow you are really getting rid of stuff Um, oh yeah i'm gonna sell some other things too but i want to take some photos of those big ones and be like yo you want to come to a plant garage sale? I've got this some in, incredible stuff. Yeah. And I'm my my squammy is going to show up big and tall, but without his top cut. My painted lady is full mm-hmm. with tons of leaves. And then I'm taking top cuts. But um, what's the other one? Mm. Forgot this plant again. Mayo eye. Uh, Mayo eye. Yeah. Mayo eye. Six plants in the pot. Super bushy. Super full. I'm going to take the top, top most cut and then it'll just be a cute little plant and you'll be able to grow it up. Did you say glad hands or? No, I'm keeping that one. Okay. <laughs> Nobody wants glad hands right now anyway. Well, 
So yeah, we're going to have some really big fucking plants. So the people listening to this, we did have some really big plants <laughs> yesterday. We're just really excited for our sale on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, Check makes, out Facebook to see if we sail or succeed it or not. Yeah. yeah, right. It makes a difference to, to do the sales, you know, later in the growing season before you're going to be moving things back in. It sort of motivates you. Like if you can make a little bit of money and create a whole bunch of space, it motivates you for like, I don't know, I kind of look at the winter as like, Let's have fun sort of reorganizing, redecorating the interior mm. of my house. Like this is what makes it fun for me is like reshuffling the plants that I'm caring for and then resituating everything creatively in my Restarting home. Restarting sometimes mm-hmm. is rejuvenating for me. Like I had took a top cut of my skeleton key and it's a cute little, it's a cute little pot instead of like an obnoxious, you know, five foot tall thing that was annoying. Right. So. Mm-hmm. That's nice too. Yeah, it's restart, like a, reclean. Yeah, it's it's interesting that we can, as houseplant people, can see autumn as like a fresh start. If if you have stuff outside, it's just a good opportunity to like, yeah, be creative and reorganize your interior, landscape. Um, but I mean, yeah, that covers that covers. I think sort of the pest angle, the I don't know considerations. Yep. Considerations of what you want to keep. Like, do you want to maintain all of the biodiversity that you have? Um, you know, if so, just keep small cuttings and sell them other plants. Um, if not, just sell the whole plant. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I've grown the elbow panatum for so long and I've grown it, I think, pretty much as good as it as good as it, it can gets. be grown. Yeah, it yeah. is. I've, I've done a good job with that one and, and I'm ready to just sort of pass it along and use that space to, grow something else out to specimen size. And if you are the person who has room in your house for all of your plants that are inside in the size that they are, I applaud you. Jealous. Yeah. I'm also, yeah, we're also very jealous that you have room. (laughs) We're over here trying to decide which of our children have to go up for adoption and it's hard. And, you know, this is also a call to like go buy a bigger house with more windows and, you know, move to a bigger apartment. In this economy? (laughs) Yeah, Adam, that's wishful thinking. the most realistic. (laughs) That's the most realistic option. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to have to put a solarium on the backside of my house to fit Mm. all my plants. I was thinking on the roof of your house. The roof of my house? Spiral staircase on the outside. I love spiral staircase. (laughs) Not not, not on the outside because I have to go outside in the winter. That's true. I want a tower. A tower with a little turret and like a little Rapunzel balcony so I can let down my fair hair. Yeah. This is the only good solution. You're going to go out to the garage and be like, hey, Brandon, I'm going to need you to uh, add on to the house (laughs) before winter. And it's going to be a... With what money we have. Alice Tower. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I feel like what... uh, One more thing. I want to drive home the fact that when it starts to get cooler, you need to be paying attention to the nightly temperatures. Yeah. Um, Pay attention to when the temperature drops. Be aware what night it's going to get down into the land of no return. And... If you forget your plant and it's 40 degrees out, it's probably going to be okay. It might suffer a little, but you have to watch out for freezing temperatures. Yeah, you have to be... <laughs> it's going to it's gonna freeze cells in your plant and they're going to explode. Did you That's see? what happens. So <laughs> don't leave your plants outside t- below 32. Tom said that he lets his plants get a frost sometimes. Tom lives a different plant parent <laughs> life than I do. Um, 
but yeah but also like forecast temp is one thing and then the actuals yeah because in my greenhouse I, I have I've, a thermometer and i can see what the low temp overnight was and if it gets a little close a little dicey i'm like hmm. i've definitely woken up and it's like oh it hit 48 last night whoopsies yeah i've definitely done the whoopsie on the 48 49 and then i'm like okay i actually have to get my button gear and start paying attention now right so be as anyway, proactive constant to wrapping it up vigilance no, i mean i think be as proactive as you can um right. with you know the process it will just save you stress if you can start to make some moves now right. um and then also do we want to say any final things about like how acclimate like what people should consider for acclimation or do you guys want to make that like a different episode topic when it comes to plants that have been growing outside and what you can do to like facilitate their transition to the indoors you know i would say like run a humidifier but like is it honestly more humid outside than it is in your house not right now no no i mean like, I, I feel like it's not like when you're going outside where you want to maybe think about the whole putting them outside bringing them and putting them outside thing like i wouldn't go the other way okay where i'm like bringing them in at night and then putting them outside during the day and I usually leave stuff outside till the very last minute. So there is no time to acclimate stuff to inside. Right. It's just, you're going out here, you're getting hosed down, you're coming inside and I'm just going to keep all my outside plants in the same window and all my inside plants that stayed inside are going to move to a different section. So I'm not like cross contaminating if I am bringing anything inside. That's good advice. I really think to keep them as separate. A little bit of a quarantine. Yeah, yeah. as separate as you can. Just monitor things for a little. If you've got space and you have liberty to do that, that helps. Think Aren't about you lucky? Think about watering to um, as it gets colder at the end of the growing season. You know, plants might not be moving through moisture as fast. And even if you bring them in, a lot of people just keep running their air conditioner just like all the way through October. Like I hear the neighbors like AC unit going sometimes in October when it's like 72 outside. And I'm like, dude, yeah, what do they have their house set at? What are you doing in there? But My um, house stays 74 all year round. It's a good temp. Yeah. So you would be okay if it were 72 in October. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't be one of those like, right now. <laughs> I might be like throwing the windows open. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. You can just open things. But the point is like if they're coming in and it's hot outside during the day and they're coming into a space where it's cool and air conditioned and, and just darker. You yeah, if you keep your air at like 65 in the yeah. summer, one year maniacs, that's so cold. But two, your plants aren't going to like that coming back in. Right. So just, and you'd have to adjust your, your watering. So just, those are just a few, I think. Yeah, definitely pay attention to watering. You're not going to water on the same schedule because your plants will be getting a little less light inside. Pay attention to that. Stick your finger in the soil. Don't use water meters. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know. So I think that's a pretty good, I think that's a pretty good, um, summary. Yeah, summary. Yeah, yeah. We went through everything. Yeah. Anything else we need to add that we forgot? Do we do uh, our plant of the week? We yeah, we do that. But also weekly reminder, please check out the Discord. Check out the Instagram. Stay connected. We like hearing from all of y'all. Yeah. And if you want some stickers, we have some sweet stickers. If you send us a donation, we'll send you some stickers. Yeah, check out the highlight reel. I posted all the stickers. Adrian uh, is going through one of his health crazes and is drinking a lot of water. And he's got his big water bottle. He's like, I need a sticker for this. It's like, I got Perfect. you. Keep yourself watered, Adrian. Yeah, and that was a sticker he gave me a lot of crap over. He's like, that's a dumb sticker. But now he's like, I no, want he it. One. He's like, oh. can I get a holographic one? <laughs> <laughs> love that. Gotta love that health craze. Drink I that put, water. I put yeah. some jar of possibilities stickers on my jars of possibilities. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I drinking. need one of those stickers. And people are... I need one of those. Yeah, I'll bring some. Um, I can give you one. I have one over there. And I love that in the Facebook group, people are starting to use our like terms and stuff. Lauren was saying, it's a jar of possibilities. 
Oh, really? I missed one of the Facebook posts. I saw that. Yeah, it was very cute. Okay, plant of the week. My plant of the week is my Raven's Easy plant. Best of division at the state fair. Woohoo! My plant of the week would be my variegated... My variegated... uh, Variegated Brova Mosa. Dracina Masoniana. So my variegated whale fin is Mm. my plant of the week. How many fins you got? It's just got... it's, It's growing two new fins right now at the same time. Like it's wow. growing a, a new rosette of whale fin and that's going to be the plant that I'm going to keep and I'm going to just cut it out off, mm-hmm. separate it, divide it. Divide it. And then um, sell the other five fins that are in the pot because it's it's going hard and the new leaves look, look beautiful. It so good when you have fins in the pot. I hate saying just the one fin. It's going to have, well, no, it's going to have two because it's like coming out as a rosette, um, like a whole new one. So that's my plan of the week. Just the new ones. The variegation is really strong because it's been outside and it's getting the right amount of light. And Can't wait to see it. Yes, it's done. Yeah. Um, mine is going to be my giant pot of Ficus elastica, which is the Taniki and rubies. Because the rubies have, are like, I'm going to be a plant now. Oh, heck, they've been going crazy. So they look. plants decide they want to be plants. Yeah, I need to up-pot them and get them in a bigger area so they're more separated out. So they're, because they're growing into each other right now. But yeah. Are you going to separate the ruby and the ficus? I don't think so. Because they, like I said, they've, they've finally kind of hit a point where maybe that they'll be okay. Cool. They can, they can coexist. I think so. I hope so. Especially since I'm going to have to get them their own grow lights coming inside because they have been kicked out of their spot from the billy. So cool. Remember, everybody, all life on this planet depends on photosynthesis. So take care of your plants. Put them in the window. Yeah. And photosynthesize. We depend. We need the vitamin D. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, no. We depend on plants for food. Oh, well, yeah. We would Oxygen. die. We would die without photosynthesis. <laughs> That's or without the sun. Yeah. So on that depressing note, <laughs> stay rough, everybody. Stay rough. See you next time. Bye bye. Your weekly reminder that the world's ending. <laughs> <laughs>